0: The following is a CA original. The mighty sound of the South, tailgating on Tiger Lane. Each one, a Memphis football tradition. This is the Tiger Football Podcast.
1: What's happening, Tiger football fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Football Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, Commercial Appeal Sports Columnist. I'm joined, as always, by Evan Barnes, our Tiger football beat writer. It's the wrap-up edition of the show. Uh, Tigers win the First Responder Bowl um, and head into the off after a seven-and-six season that was, you know, rockier than anyone hoped, but did end on a on a high note. We've got lots of to discuss in terms of coaching changes, portal change, you know, portal moves, recruiting. Um, what's to come this offseason and and going into next season, which will be, you know, uh, given given what transpired this season, a a very pivotal year for the program. So we'll dive into all of it in this episode. Um, But let's start here, Evan. You were down in Dallas at the First Responder Bowl. Tigers easily get past Utah State, probably, I thought, you know, probably their most complete performance of the year, maybe against a FBS opponent. Um, Certainly their best performance in a while. Um, What did you make of the bowl performance? Was there anything that you saw that felt like it was more than, you know, that you felt was really important, not just in terms of that game, but moving forward?
0: Um. (laughs) You see, okay, not as much. And here's why. I, I think, like you said, Memphis went ahead and beat a Utah State team that was clearly overmatched. And that was before their quarterback um uh, was was knocked out in the third in the third quarter. Um, this was clearly an overmatched team that Memphis was able to clearly control. Um I thought we saw some things that Memphis did really well. They had a quick burst of offense in the in the uh, second quarter where they scored twenty one points. They had a lull in the second half until they scored two late touchdowns. Um, but overall, I think if you wanted to look at that game and say that this kind of crystallizes some of the things about Memphis, you can say that. There was a good offensive burst, some lulls in the second half. Uh, Memphis gave up five sacks, which, again, was a big part of this season. But they got four sacks, which was something that hasn't really happened much this season. Um they finished the year without an 100 yard rusher, despite Jay, without a 100 yard rusher in the game, despite Jay Ducker having two touchdowns in the Utah in against Utah State. That was pretty much true to form. So overall, I mean, I, what you saw was kind of like, all right, they did their job and handled business against a team they should have beaten. Um, it was the second largest margin of victory I believe in program history in a bowl game, um, and so, or was it the most lopsided? I it was, it was large.
1: Yeah, it was the most lopsided.
0: Most lopsided. Yeah. So I thought they took care of business. I don't know if there's a lot you can glean to look ahead and say, okay, next year you can look for this, this, and this, because there were things that happened after that game that kind of changed the mood of things.
1: Yeah. I think cosmetically, it's probably good for the program. You can go in and say, Hey, we finished above 500. We've been a 500 or better team. I think nine straight years now. Um, I've never really bought into like the bowl game, you know, like a lot of coaches, including Ryan Silverfield will tell you, you know, the, the bowl games about momentum going in the off season. I've never really bought into that. I mean, Memphis lost the bowl game, uh, going into, lost the Birmingham bowl in 2018 and ended our 20, yeah, 20, yeah. 20, the 10, the 2018 season ended up having the best season in program history. Uh, and going to the Cotton Bowl the next year. They yes. won the Montgomery Bowl after uh, Ryan Silverfield's first season and then, you know, subsequently had a 6-6 six and six year. So I, I don't look at it – I don't think necessarily – Yeah, like, I'm sure it, you know, they're in a better mood than if they lost the game, but I've never bought into the momentum part. Um, you know, it was good to see them close on a high note, though, I guess, you know, especially for – a fan base that you know was very frustrated uh, at times this season with with what happened, with all the close calls that went against them. Um, it, it, it did. It was nice, I think, for the fans to have an, a high note to go out on. Um, but yeah, I, I'm kind of with you in that. Like, it, it was a nice performance, but especially in this era of college football, like it's gonna, you know. Uh, transferring something from the season before over to the next season with how rosters can change. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't, didn't feel like you could, there was much to much to glean from it from a long-term perspective, other than it was nice to see them take care of business like they, like they were supposed to.
0: Yeah, I think so. And again, seven and six is better than six and seven. It's one more win than last year. It's a winning record. Um, those are, the, I think, the important things that matter. And again, on the field after the game, you could see the players were relieved. They were happy. You could smell the cigar smoke. You could hear the cheers, um, the hugs and everything like that. Um, And it was, again, it was a great scene. And it felt, you know, to me, it looked walking around, it felt like everyone was relieved because it would have been a much different locker room, obviously, if they had lost that game. But overall, I mean, you look at that scene over a week later and you're like, OK, in that moment, it felt good. But now you're going into the offseason wondering, okay, what changes are going to come? What does Memphis really need to address? And as you said, you're going into Ryan Silverfield's fourth season with still some key questions that have to be addressed about where the program is headed. And I, I, I think we're going to just get right into it. Obviously, three mm-hmm. assistant coaches, since we, as we're recording this, three assistant coaches have been let go. Uh, mm-hmm. O-line o- 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 coach Jim Bridge, special teams coordinator Charles Bankins, and wide receivers coach David Glidden. Um, restarters, as of this recording, have entered the transfer portal since the bowl game. Uh, Javon Ivory, you're one of your, one of your top receivers, Cameron Jackson, who was transferred to Florida defensive lineman and tight end Caden Prescorn, who told everyone he was coming back. It sounded like he was coming back. And then after the game, a decision, uh, he changed his mind and now was in the transfer portal. So right there, you're back to reality thinking, okay, Memphis has some serious issues and serious changes that are gonna probably either affect, you know, they're gonna affect where this team goes next year, next season, but also in the moment, like how is this team going to look going into uh the spring in March?
1: Yeah, no, it's gonna be interesting. I mean, you mentioned the three coaches, it should be pointed out, all of them were their co- re- really, they were not retained more than fired because their contracts were expiring. Um Correct, and yes. frankly, you could you could argue, you know, special teams in terms of coverage and all that, was at times not great this year. It was a frequent, it was the subject, it was it was something that clearly frustrated Ryan Silverfield throughout the season. Uh, the O-line has not been good for several years now. Um, and the wide receiving core, I mean, there were a lot of drops. And, you know, it felt like it was the, and I hope this doesn't come up the wrong way. It's more a reflection of how good, how many good wide receivers Memphis has had recently, but like felt like the weakest wide receiving core they've had in a while. Um, So three positions where um, Memphis did not seem to, you know, it seemed like they were deficient in this year. So um, it makes sense, especially because it's not really going to cost you any money to get rid of them because all those guys contracts were up They have subsequently – what's the name of the new wide receivers coach from UAB, Evan?
0: Larry Smith, UAB.
1: Yeah, so they've hired a new wide receivers coach. Still have to fill the special teams coordinator and O-line coach vacancies. And then you mentioned the players they lost. You know, I kind of look at it in two different ways. Like, I don't really put – You like, ultimately, even though they've lost guys to the portal now and part of the whole – part of the the momentum, if you will, for the program going into that bowl game and coming out of it was they won the bowl game and, like, look, the team – most of the team's coming back, including Hennigan and all these players. And now losing three starters kind of dulls that point a little bit. But I would say, you know, like, Cam Jackson ended up at Florida. Like, you're just not – I mean, like, ultimately, like – if a guy's going to end up at a sec school, like I don't really blame Memphis for that happening, you know? And I suspect the same with pre like he's going to probably end up at a power five school. And like, I don't blame him for go wanting to go there. And I don't blame Memphis for losing him, you know? And then Javon Ivory, you know, like, I know he was your second or third leading receiver, but Having watched him for two or three years, like he's a nice player, but like there's a lot of, I don't think Javon Ivory, for instance, is going to end up at a power five school. Um, I think there's a lot of Javon Ivory's at the group of five level. I think you can find someone in the portal or maybe even within your own roster to replace his production. So I don't look at like, I think, I think losing pre losing three starters is bad but when you really look closely at it, like what are they, you know, what were they supposed to do ultimately? You know, like I, I think it's just the way of the world these days in college football.
0: Well, and and I'll, I'll say this: it, it's it, you can look at it and say, well, yeah, this is what's going to happen. But if you look at it from a standpoint of, well, Seth and everybody was talking about, you know, hey, we're going to have a lot of guys back. We can get this better. Um, I wrote this in my my off season analysis at CommercialPill.com. You've lost now. If you're Memphis, you've lost. Five starters on offense, six on defense, your kicker and your punter. And, you know, transition is part of the game. And most of them are seniors, to be clear. But it is a lot to replace. You know, when we heard all season, you know, this is a young team and all this stuff here. And now that youth is going to have to really step up because, yes, you can go into the portal and try to get some of those players. But the main talking point that we heard was is that you know, Ryan Silver has recruited these great classes. Well, now we need to see some of those young guys get some reps as well. Maybe they're not ready to contribute on week one against Bethune-Cookman, but this is where you're going to have to put them in the spring and say, all right, what do you got? And then when that portal opens up after the spring, maybe that's where you do some more looking around. But I think this is where the youth of this team and the players that Ryan Silver has recruited, this is where it's got to come up and see something because you've been, Brett. you know, people have been talking about the recruiting and everything else like that. Now it's got to show up. But again, you're placing some key leaders too. You're losing a, a Quindell Johnson, uh Zay Collins I mean, on, on you,
1: li- you could make the argument, Evan. So you're, you're lose three of your top four receivers with yeah. Ivory and Pre-Scorn gone, and then Gabe Rogers running out of eligibility. So yes. you have three of your top four receivers are gone. Okay. You you if you look defensively, I think you could make the argument they're losing their best defensive lineman. They're two best linebackers in Xavier Cullens and um, Tyler Murray, and Tyler Murray, and you're losing your best defensive back in Quindell Johnson, and as yes. you mentioned, you're and you're losing your really good punter and kicker, um, and now they've added stuff from the transfer portal already and the JUCO ranks, um, but you're right. There's some there's unknowns there, more unknowns than probably you want going into a year like what Ryan Silverfield is going to be going into where there's going to be um, pressure to show, show improvement at the very least. I, you know, I do question, you know, like I wonder, I don't know what the, what the baseline of record is for him to like, not deal with what he dealt with this year in terms of scrutiny about his job. Um, My gut says it's probably like eight and four, but at the same time, if he goes seven and five, do I, you know, do, do we really, I mean, I don't know if I think Memphis is going to fire a coach who goes seven and five. So, um, but there's going to be pressure to win more than he has the past two years. That's for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it's a good point you make. Like there's a lot of unknowns, Uh, even though you do bring back Seth Hennigan, like who's he going to throw to who's going to block for him. You know, like this, yeah, they returned guys on the O line, but that was a crummy O line, you know, <laughs> like um so uh and then defensively, you know, again, like a lot of your best players on defense are gone now. Um and so you're gonna, you know, you're gonna have to retool there as well. Um, so lot of lot of a lot more question marks than I think you would necessarily want going into this type of season. Yeah. Where, you're, where I think a lot of fans are expecting them to like win big again because they're going into a weaker league. They're coming off these two straight six and six years. I think a lot of fans are expecting them to compete for a conference title, but there's a lot of questions that they have to answer this off season before they can do that.
0: Yeah. And it should be noted. Like if you want to look at it another way, look around the AAC in terms of, you know, the teams that are sticking they're still in the AAC and the teams that are coming in. So if you look at Tulane that just, you know, beat USC in the Cotton Bowl, um they're losing their their running back Ty j Spears the the AAC offensive player of the year. um, they're losing I, I believe Michael Pratt the quarterback is coming back, but yes. you know, they got to replace you know a future possible NFL running back. They may have to, I think they have replaced a couple of receivers. So you look at that and say, okay, there's a possibility and Tulane's coming to Memphis next year. You look at ECU, for example, a team that was really good the last two years. they're losing their quarterback who's out of eligibility. Both of their thousand yard receivers have declared for the draft and their running back, Keaton Mitchell, who was all AAC first team. They're going to have to replace a lot. If you look at SMU, SMU is going to have a new quarterback. They're going to lose Rasheed Rice, their All-American wide receiver. So if you look around and say, okay, the teams that are coming back that were better than Memphis, they're all going to have some major personnel changes as well. So if you're looking at it the other way, you could say, well, Memphis has questions, but so do these other teams. And so that could bode well. And again, SNU Tulane on the schedule will be at Memphis. Memphis does not play ECU. So you can look at it that way and say, hey, there's questions all around the AAC on which team is going to, um of the returning teams is going to step up. So that could be one way to look at it.
1: Yeah, no, I, I mean, they're, they'll, they'll, I think there's a decent chance they're going to be picked like you know, top three or four in the top league three. next year. I I'd
0: agree. I um, agree.
1: You know, UTSA looks like it's going to be pretty good next year. Um, I bet Tulane gets picked ahead of them, whether they are or aren't, sure. you know, given what sure. they did this year. Um,
0: I, you know. I, put SM, I put SMU out of respect because, you know, you you know they're going to reload. They've already added some players in the transfer portal from Miami, I believe, where uh, their coach, Red Lashley, was the OC before at SMU. So they're going to reload in some fashion. Yeah, like, who, who else? I wouldn't, I'd say those are probably the three teams I'd say that you would put above Memphis safely.
1: Yeah. When you look at this roster right now, what do you think the biggest needs are for Memphis uh, next season? Like, what are they, what, what, did, what are they, what should they be targeting in the transfer portal? Cause when I asked Ryan Silverfield about it before the bowl game, I got, I go, what do you think you need from the portal? He just said, we we just go after the best available guys. I don't know if I necessarily uh, buy that, but uh, you know, what do you think they need to add to this roster?
0: All right, so the biggest things I think they need, for one, speed. They need playmaking speed on this team. I look at this team right now, I don't see speed at receiver. I don't see speed at running back. They need players who can put some fear in, in a defense that they can get one off and break a long run. Not just like... Uh, javion Ducker having that long touchdown in the first responder bowl. That was a a great hole that opened up for him, and he was able to run away with nobody near him. You need some speed on this roster, so I would say that Memphis's biggest need is they need to find a playmaking receiver. Um, the in in the running back room, maybe this new transfer uh, Blake Watson from Oklahoma, Old Dominion. Maybe he's the guy who can be that speed back. Um, I'm not sure. We'll have to see. But they need speed. They need to get you know more explosive. Uh, we saw Joe skate speed, but obviously skates, you know, had some issues with fumbles and being consistent. So that's going to be important for his development. Um, but that's what the main thing they need. They need speed. And also um, they need to get a, 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 much stouter offensive line. Like maybe, you know, with the, with the, yeah, with the transfer portal, they go find somebody, which they did. They found, you know, um, Xavier Hill from LSU. They brought back a uh, Chris Morris, who was formerly at AM, a former, Ah uh, Memphis, local uh, local young men. maybe that's maybe that's the answer, who knows, but Memphis clearly targeted line play with this recruiting class. They believe they they signed five o linemen, five d linemen. So for me, the line play has got to improve, not just with run blocking and pass protection because my gosh, that they gave up so many sacks, but that's something that has to get better. I think they also need to get a better pass rush. And I wrote this in, in that uh, analysis on commercial dot com. They need to get players who can get to the quarterback. I believe Memphis had um, I, I can't look at the, the, the number of sacks they had, but they averaged 1.62 sacks per game, which was 105th in the country out of 131 teams. That that can't happen. Like teams were able to sit back on Memphis and able to pick up a part, especially on third down. So they need players who can get to the quarterback. And and for an AAC team that's really difficult, you know, good pass rushers. Help, you know, elevate you from a good defense to a great defense and great speed at the playmaking at the skill positions on offense make you go from a good to a great thing. So I think speed uh, uh, revamping the offensive line, a better pass rush uh, on defense. Those are probably the three biggest needs besides obviously finding a new kicker who's going to have to be um just as effective as Chris Howard was. Uh, but those are probably the three biggest needs, I think.
1: Yeah, well, they've had speed in the past. I'll be honest, since I started covering this team, they've had a terrible pass. Like, I started covering them in 2017. Yeah. They've had a terrible pass rush every year, basically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, with the exception of, like, Bryce Huff, you know, like, a, you know, a player, Bryce Huff and Jannard Avery, Jannard Avery right. were pretty good at it. But, like, by and large, as a team, they have not had a good pass rush the entire time I've been here. Um, You know, they had a good O-line under Norvell under frankly silverfield as the position coach right um right. so um i'm hopeful on those two hopefully you know like because you know i you know i i've i've been clear kind of how i feel about the silverfield situation like i just don't think if you like my personal opinion and obviously it's not the opinion of the staff or of excuse me of the administration at this point but like I think if you're trying to become an elite group of five program, I don't know if, he, again, I don't know if he's the coach to do it. That being said, I hope I'm wrong because it's a lot more fun to cover this team when when they're exciting and good, <laughs> um, you know. And uh, this season, this coming off season and, and season feel like this is, the, this is like kind of the last ch- – I don't want to say last chance because it, it doesn't feel like necessarily the administration is – um, or frankly, the boosters, uh, feel a great need to like, uh, there doesn't feel like they're applying a ton of pressure it feels more like some fans, people like me are more applying that sort of pressure. But at the same time, it does feel like if he's not going to get it right in year four in terms of getting this program back to, uh, competing for conference titles, you know, it's hard to imagine he ever will. Um, so it's a, it's a really important year for the program, even if, you know, I, you know, again, they go seven and five, eight and four. I think there's going to be fans who are, uh, you know, not satisfied with that, but I don't think necessarily that means he'll lose his job.
0: Yeah, I, 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 will, I'll say this and obviously you can say more than I can. in that, And I think that's fair. Um, I, I think it's a critical year. I think it's a year where people are going to probably be more loud about where they stand. Like, I think there were clearly two sides of of Memphis fans this year, those who felt confident about Sewerfield Field in the direction of the program, those who loudly were questioning and wondering if, you know, he is the right coach for the job. And I think whatever faction you were in, your mind is not going to change between now and the start of fall camp. Spring spring practice isn't going to change anything. We we can just be honest there that people who feel a certain way um, – we know that you're probably not going to see anything maybe in the spring that's going to maybe shake your mind one way or the other. But when fall camp, when when fall camp starts in August and that season opener September 2nd against bethune Cookman, I think that's where we're gonna, you know, you know, in that game, of course, HBCU is probably gonna be a a feel-good game. But I think people are gonna probably feel some kind of way and be fully entrenched, whether you're for Silverfield or not for Silverfield. And I don't think much is gonna change people's minds over the next eight months. So really it's gonna be. Show and prove. And I think it's a lot of show and prove for Seth Hennigan as well to see where he can be in his third season. Um, It's going to be show and prove for uh, Silverfield's two coordinators, Tim Cramsey and Matt Barnes, who had some great things happen this year, but also some things where people are questioning them maybe. But overall, I think they both coordinators have done fairly well this year. So, But I think it's going to be a chance to prove, like I said, you're going into a weaker AAC, straight up. you got to be able to compete in this AAC immediately. And so I think – Whatever happens between now and on August, it's all going to be kind of like digging in the trenches, feeling how you feel. And come games, we'll see what happens. But it is going to be important. Memphis has to make dramatic. I wouldn't say they have to make super dramatic changes, but they need to show enough change to say, hey, either this thing is getting better, because if it stays the same. I, I don't know how people are going to feel about it. Just from people that I've talked to from fans I've spoken with. Um, I, I think it's going to be real interesting because remember year four of, Fuente, of Justin Fuente, Memphis coming off a bowl win, had that win streak. They beat all Miss. They were ranked year four of Mike Norvell, a little bit shaky after that eight win season, but we saw what happened with them being ranked and having the cotton bowl year. So what is year four of Ryan? Silverfield going to be important. <laughs> I don't yeah, know what, but it's yeah. going to be important.
1: Yeah. Well said. No. And it's, uh, Um, it's the, you know, it's the sort of thing where, um, you know, you look at it. There's reason for hope in the sense that like they were, you know, a few plays away and, you know, they easily could have three more wins and could have been, you know, a nine, 10 win team this year with a couple, you know, in a couple of these close games that they had gone their way. And I think that's, you know, I think that's rightfully reason for hope. Um, moving forward. And then, you know, you look at, you know, just what's going on at college football at large, you know, I don't know if Tulane going from two and 10 to 12 and two is like a template that necessarily is reasonable to expect, expect, um, and TCU same way, like going from five Mm -hmm. and seven to in the national championship game. But like, you know, teams can turn it around from one year to the next. And, Asking Memphis to go from six or seven and six to you know, hopefully competing for a conference title does not sound certainly isn't as far fetched, frankly, as Tulane going from two and 10 to 12 and two, or Mm -hmm. TCU going from five and seven to a national championship game appearance. You know what I
0: mean? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's funny to imagine, but hey, you never know. Like I said, if you go from seven wins to 10 wins. I think that that means just as much if you're looking at a a turnaround and a feel good and whatnot, I think that matters. So I think if you're Memphis, even small incremental change or improvement is better because of where you've been the last two years. If you make some some incremental change where the offense looks much better or the defense is able to hold on, or just be honest, you're able to win close games and not give away big leads. If you can make an improvement there, that might show people that you're you're making strides because you're not making the same mistakes over and over again. So yeah, incremental change might be enough, but but honestly, that can be the difference between being seven, eight, nine win team. So that's kind of all you really need. You don't have to go in and just be, you know, twelve and zero. But like, make those changes look better on the field. Get to maybe eight or nine wins. You know, who knows? But small changes could be enough to tweak where things are going.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So be an interesting offseason. We'll see who they add through the portal. We'll see who Ryan Silverfield brings in for those uh, assistant coaching spots. Um, so lots of developments left for this offseason. Evan will be covering it all over at CommercialAppeal.com. Uh, we are going to go on an offseason hiatus from the podcast. We'll Maybe we'll pick things up a little bit, maybe do something in the spring um and, and and as things develop uh if necessary we'll we'll rejoin you but thank you so much to everyone who listened this season who read our coverage over at commercialappeal.com we really appreciate it um it wasn't the year everyone hoped it would be necessarily but uh you know so there's 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 hope at the end of it and i guess that's uh that's not the worst thing in the world for sure there, there are much worse positions to be in as a program uh, moving forward. So uh, for Evan, I was Mark. Thanks again, uh, and enjoy your off season.
0: The Tiger Football Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.